0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about guarantees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love your Cajun accent.
0: <laughs> you like that? Oh, I love one. Cajun, even better. Yeah. Cool. Well, last week we met, or last episode, we talked about, what did we talk about? We talked about sales pages. That's what it was. Yeah yeah and I think
1: that's a good place for a guarantee if you've got one
0: yes right after your call right in your call to action section what is the thing that the buyer is most likely afraid of and and guarantee that it won't happen so yeah so the thing with guarantees is i think as a buyer everyone automatically knows they're a good thing and what they're for it's almost like subconscious so if you see you know if you buy something from you buy a lamp from Target, you know you can return it if you get it home and it's a little that's not the right size or whatever. You don't like mm-hmm. the the lampshade in the spot. You just you're not worried about it. You know it's not a permanent decision. It's got you know, Command Z, you can undo it. Versus if you've ever been to I don't know, bought a used car or
1: vintage market.
0: Yeah, or <laughs> something like that. And it's like, as is all sales final. Like, imagine if everything at Target was as is, all sales final. Would you buy as much stuff? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. So, what's going on there? What's going on is whenever you're making a purchase decision, there are fears in your mind that you're afraid you might be dissatisfied for some reason with the purchase once you get it home, or once you use the thing, or once you finish reading it, or go through going through it, and that the the if it is as is, all sales final that perception of risk is way higher at the, at the point of purchase that at the point at which they're deciding whether or not to purchase than it would be otherwise. So if you feel that you can give some kind of a guarantee, and we're going to get really specific about what we mean by that as it, before the per- person makes the purchase. So if you can explicitly guarantee something at the point where the person is making the decision about whether or not to buy from you, then you will decrease The fear, you will decrease the perception of risk in their minds and you're going to increase the odds that they're going to make the purchase, which is, which is the point. That's what we're doing here.
1: Well, and I think the other piece around that is one has to kind of punch through the fear of making a guarantee. And it's. I don't know, it always feels a little bit easier on products to make a guarantee, you know, just give it back, right? But on services, you can't get that time back. And I found that a lot of consultants are very hesitant about offering guarantees because it feels so scary.
0: Yeah, but that f- exact fear is being placed on the client,
1: exactly
0: <laughs> right so are you going yep. to shoulder some of that or not so yeah. and if you do you can charge more because this this very much is a is a it's a, has a lot of similarities with the value pricing conversation and offering fixed prices in the first place so offering a fixed price whether it's based on value or something else is a form of guarantee you will not pay more than this mm-hmm. number yeah versus someone who's just charging for their time where it's like well we think it'll be about a hundred thousand dollars but maybe it'll be two hundred i don't know
1: We'll just and bill we'll, you.
0: <laughs> we'll just keep billing you. We'll just keep driving you around in this taxi. And if you see a place you want to get out, just let me know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, so, yeah. When people feel like they're signing a blank check, that really ups the fear factor.
0: Right. So, so I, I mean, all of those things, that, those things that we talked about in like the way that I would write a project proposal, all these things, or sales page revolve around decreasing the perception of risk in the mind of the buyer. So the the likelihood of a loss and the impact of a loss. You could mitigate both things to decrease the risk in their mind. All right, so if we can just agree that it would be a good idea to provide guarantees if you felt you could, then then what does that look like in a model where you can't just return the thing? You can't just return the lamp.
1: I just want to change one word of what you just said. Instead of if, I would say where. Where you could make guarantees.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I I agree with that. Um, Okay. One common misconception I wanted to spell right up front is that a lot of folks listening, as do I and Rochelle, offer things where the buyer needs to participate in the outcome. So... Mm -hmm it creates this, this binary in the seller's mind, like, well, I can't guarantee the outcome because I can't control it. Like only they can. Right. So if if we talk about upstream and downstream a lot, so like if, if the thing that you provide is upstream of the desired outcome and there are other things, you know, you have to pass the baton to the client or the client's team or some third party to really cross the finish line or your piece is gonna be done in two months, but the finish line won't ultimately get crossed for two years. And you know, at which point a mm-hmm. hundred other things could have happened to the market or to the business or whatever else that that caused the desired outcome to not come to pass. You it would be, well, it would be amazing if you guaranteed it anyway, right? <laughs> like like I'm gonna I'm gonna redo your branding in Q1. And I guarantee that by Q4 the following year, your revenue will be doubled. I mean, that would be amazing. But if you could do that, you could charge pretty much anything you wanted. You could charge the amount of their revenue. Mm -hmm. But you probably, probably no one could guarantee that.
1: Yeah. Even if you're in charge of all the pieces, it's still hard to guarantee.
0: Right. But, But let's say you're not in charge of all the pieces. You're not in charge of any of the execution. You're not even overseeing the thing. You just stop contact with the client and you just cross your fingers that 18 months later or whatever it is, 21 months later, all the other pieces have fallen into place and they're, you know, and they get what they wanted. I I think it's, I have been told, although I've never looked into it, that there, that there is a potential for that to be illegal, to guarantee things that are unguaranteeable or that are perceived in the eyes of the law as unguaranteeable. And I think that would be an example of like, if you just, if you, if you just pay us $150,000 for, uh, you know, a branding exercise, we guarantee X will happen in 18 months and, or your money back. And you just roll the dice that enough people won't ask for a refund that you'll end up ahead. You basically just, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't going to get there, but it doesn't, From a financial standpoint, it's fine because enough people will get there, or enough people will not care to ask for a refund. You'll still end up way ahead because you can charge way more than you would have otherwise. Yeah, Mm. like at a certain point, (laughs) it's
1: gross. (laughs) Yeah, I have so much distaste for that idea.
0: Yeah, I once read in a book—I think it was a Dan Kennedy book about—it wasn't Dan Kennedy, but it was—he was the, the author was interviewing someone who or quoting someone who said, "You know, if you're not if you don't have." 20 percent of your buyers ask for a refund your guarantee is not good enough you know what I mean like yeah
1: like, I'm thinking about that uh eh.
0: yeah it's it's sleazy I, I think it's I just clearly yeah sleazy it,
1: yeah it's like push it to the envelope because you'll still make more money I just uh, yeah yeah I mean my goal is not to have anybody ask for a refund because they're thrilled and with right. products, it's it's less controllable. I think there's always a higher return rate on product than on service. Not return, but then then refunds on those than services. But yeah, I don't I don't want to manage to that number. Ugh.
0: Right, that's gross. I think we can agree. So okay, so let's start. At, let's go from maximum sleaze to minimum sleaze. So I think <laughs> yes, right, let's So let's
1: have this be a sleaze free zone. sleaze free
0: zone. <laughs> So most, most, if not all, I mean, everyone I've talked to about about their business, especially in the software space, that's where most of my people are, uh, they can all point to a, a situation where they were really embarrassed by the way something played out. Like, oh man, I really underestimated this, or I really should have known, or mm. I made the wrong decision a month ago and I took them down a rabbit hole. And they do things like, and to make up for it. They either eat hours, they fall on their sword, they split the difference, they they do things to remedy the situation. It's very common, especially the yeah. eating hours piece. A lot of, uh, uh, I can't, I'm sure everybody who's ever built by the hour has eaten hours because they're like, man, that took me six hours and I thought it was going to take me one.
1: Yep. <laughs> <And> <laughs> We've so all been what, there.
0: Right. And what they're doing is they are honoring a guarantee that they never made. They never said explicitly, I guarantee if something takes me longer than I thought, I will only charge you for how long I thought it would take. So if you imagine, and maybe your example, dear listener, maybe your, the thing that would embarrass you at a professional level, think back to to some time in the past where you, project didn't go well, you felt you were somewhat to blame, and you made some, you did something to make it better, to try and make it better. Maybe not completely fix, but... You were willing to give up some money or work some hours for free or throw something in that you wouldn't normally you did something it it's hard for me to imagine this has never happened to someone if they've been in business for five ten years and instead of just waiting for a situation to happen and all of the sort of uncomfortable feelings about that conversation why not just make it explicit as upfront as part of your offer to de-risk it for the client and and sort of head off at the pass any of the potential awkward meetings that might come about if something unlikely like that ever does happen again. And even and especially now that you've been there and stepped on that landmine, it's less likely that it's gonna happen in the future. So why not just make it explicit that hey, if what whatever the thing is, hey, if something like this ever happens, here's how here's how you can invoke a guarantee, and here's how I will make it better and that is going to project massive amount of confidence on your part, a lot of experience. And like we've been saying, it's going to de-risk that purchase decision for the buyer.
1: It, it does something else too, which is sort of under, under the covers, which is that it, it provides more transparency in the relationship. Because sometimes what happens, it can be very insidious, is the client isn't happy, but they're not so upset that they're going to say something to you. They're just mildly unhappy with something. And right. when you put a guarantee in writing and you have it right up front, it's like it gives the client permission to bring those things up because those are the things when they're not addressed, especially if you have a model where you work with clients more than once, mm-hmm. um, it's going to keep them from coming back to you again, or it's going to keep them from making a referral to somebody just like them. Right. So it's, I like the transparency that it provides to the relationship with the client. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So, so if you think about it in these terms, if you look back and you can maybe come up with something where, well, let me give you an example. So I think it was, I think it was Domino's had the 30 minutes or it's free guarantee. You know, Uh it's like if you, if you order a pizza for delivery and it takes longer than 30 minutes, uh, it's free. Right. And I think that probably makes obvious sense to anybody listening. Like, Oh, all right. Uh, that makes sense. That's the guarantee they're making. But notice that it's not about the pizza. It's not about the thing that they sell. It's about the experience of ordering it. Mm-hmm. So it's completely orthogonal to the pizza. Like, they, it's not guaranteed that it's right. going to be hot. It's not guaranteed that it's even going to be good. <laughs> it's not guaranteed that there's not going to be sauce smeared all over the lid of the boxes. Like, nothing about the product right. is guaranteed there. Right. It's unrelated to the product itself. So if you think like that and you think of, um, the experience of delivering a service, there are things that you could imagine the client is afraid of that aren't the product, the project itself. They're just related to the project. They're part of the experience of yes. working together. So what are the things that the client might fear about the project or, or the experience of working on the project that you can control? So uh, for, from a software Speed. standpoint. Speed. It could be speed, it could be, but some people will say, well, no, because I'm waiting for deliverables, they could, but but it could be speed. It could be a no ghosting guarantee, because a lot of clients have had the experience of being ghosted by uh, developers or freelancers just like disappear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, it could be a no jargon guarantee. If you work with highly non-technical types of people and you're highly technical, they might hate the feeling of being talked down to or having to ask like, what's that TLA stand for? Like, what do you mean? No, low or low, low or fofo or what What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> we'll never talk over your head. We'll never talk down to you. We'll speak in regular language. These are unrela- not directly related. They're extremely un- distantly related to the the engagement itself. But if they are things that the client fears or finds distasteful or anything like that then you can guarantee those things won't happen it is under your control so think of the things that are, are are under your control and perhaps if you're like oh yeah i know clients hate that i know clients cannot stand when that happens you know it's like i, I already can't remember well, if we said this before the show or on the show but giving a fixed price up front is a form of guarantee
1: yeah yeah you said it on the show okay good <laughs> 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 we talked for a while before this one. <laughs> I, know, I know. That's the danger of having an extended green room. Yeah. And, and clients will tell you this. I mean, if, if you really listen in, in your sales conversations, they will tell you what they're worried about. And it's, it's, they may not say, well, I'm worried about this, although they often will. But they may say things like, so how long will this take? And what happens if this happens? Like we have this project coming up and I'm worried our attention's going to be diverted. So should we start and then stop? Or, you know, they tell you by what they say and sometimes what they don't say. And if you can see their faces, sometimes you can really tell where the, <laughs> the sticky wickets are. And if, if you do enough of these, you'll start to see themes And, Mm -hmm. you know, those are like big old giant neon signs pointing you to areas that are worthy of a potential guarantee.
0: Right. Yeah. Classic one is so. So check this out. This is pretty subtle, but it's very common, Uh, at least like in the coaching space. It's extremely common. But I've even seen it in software development uh, projects, too, where the client trusts you, but they don't trust themselves or themselves. (laughs) So they're like, I. I believe this claim is credible. I think this price is totally fair. This, I I believe that you can help me make this transformation, but I am positive. I'm going to drop the ball because I've got ADD shiny object syndrome. It's happened a hundred times before where we started this project, all guns blazing. And then life happens. We get distracted. Amazon does something in our market and we have to, you know, all hands on deck, some client fire Mm -hmm. blows up and we have to get, so it's like, you can't stop any of those things from happening but you could address that fear with something like, you know, uh, a red alert guarantee. When I see you chasing a shiny object, I will not stop yelling at you about it until you either get back on track or fire me, you know, something like that. You can control that. And if that's what they're afraid of, if they're afraid of themselves, then you could perhaps come up with something that would allay that fear somewhat. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's see. So we've got I've got a list. I've got, I must have a half a dozen articles coming at guarantees from different angles on my website. If you want to Google for my name and guarantees, you'll find a ton of stuff. But there's one in particular that I think we could go through. There's just different types of guarantees for people who are running authority businesses and the the kinds of products and services they probably offer just to get people's wheels turning. Uh, Does it seem like a good time to go through that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that.
0: Cool. All right. Let's get the easy one out of the way. We've already mentioned it a couple of times. But if you offer some kind of an info product, a book, a course, whatever, then, you know, a video course, something so self-service thing where where on the sales page it's a buy now button. There's mm-hmm. zero touch sales, zero touch delivery. They click the button, they get the thing, and it's so it's it's like why wouldn't you have a hundred percent money back guarantee on something like that, even though they can't really return the thing, right? Yeah. Like obviously, yeah, digital they download, but, <laughs> right? It's they could delete it, but that you know, but but it's no skin off your nose, really. So for an right. info product, it, it makes a lot of sense to just offer an unconditional 100% money back guarantee. You know, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, I'll refund your pur- purchase in full, no questions asked. Just shoot me an email to guarantees at jonathanstark.com and you don't even, we don't even need to talk about it. You know, so you just might as well.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. But you can time bound bound it, time bind it if you want to. So you could mm-hmm. say you know thirty days. A lot of people do that because at some point you want to recognize the revenue versus holding it for returns. So true. I, I would I might time time bind it. Mm-hmm. Depends on what it is, but yeah.
0: It depends on the yeah on the price, right? So if it's if it's a thousand dollar video course or something that you might want to start to do something like that. Um, I yeah do a if it's very... a
1: 49 dollar roadmap you know yeah just do it right just do it yeah
0: i do something i do sort of a hybrid thing for my workshops which you can't just download they they're dripped out over time you know the, the shortest one takes five days but this you know one pricing seminar takes like 12 weeks so the the guarantee there is is satisfaction guarantee unsatisfied for any reason i'll refund your purchase in full if you go through the whole thing so i don't give people's money back for bailing in the middle Mm -hmm. you know if they're like uh you know i got whatever uh turns out i got fired from my job and i really want that thousand bucks back or whatever no you you have to go through the thing and if you're really not satisfied with it then let me know no one's ever taken me up on that but there, I have had a thing where, and this is another another um, type of guarantee you could you could give that's not 100% money back, but it's very easy. Which is, uh, if for whatever reason you need to drop out of the course, free tape, you can retake it for free the next time it's launched. Which yeah. is again, it's like no skin off my nose, right? So that could be that could be something for people who, if you offer some kind of a cohort based thing that's uh, that's got like a uh, enrollment window. Uh, free retakes would be any really if you offer any kind of training that's digital remote where you're you're going to be running it in the future anyway offering free retakes is uh a, it seems like a really obvious choice
1: well and some people include it like if you buy this thing you buy it once you can come back and take it anytime and right. those are really tend to be higher end things but right. that's another option mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm um, okay, so moving up, so that's that's so the first thing, like an ebook or something, that's or, or even a, a self-paced video course, those are pretty easy money-back guarantee thing. It's sort of a hybrid thing where there is some interaction with you, maybe in a Slack room, but it really is it's it's like a course. It's very much a product. Uh, it's not I would not call it a service, even though you're sort of involved. Um, then you could offer free retakes or something like that. Um, if we move up the the chain a little bit to something that is definitely a service you know i sell these one-on-one coaching calls and it, on the web page it says if at the end of your call you feel like you haven't gotten your money's worth just let me know and i'll re- refund your payment in full and that's that's up to them it's totally subjective i'm making myself vulnerable right but they are also making themselves vulnerable by swiping their credit card for a thousand bucks so you know would you rather have fewer people swipe their credit card Would you, you know, by not offering a guarantee, would you rather have more people complaining about how they got ripped off and they didn't really feel like it was worth it? Like, not to you, but around?
1: Around, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's it's such a simple thing to do. It's like, you're going to spend an hour with me. I want it to be worth your while, and I'm going to guarantee that you're going to get value out of that in at least what you paid for. And you don't have to prove to me that you did or you didn't. Just say, you know what, this this didn't work for me. Okay, refund. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I've never had one, but, you know, it it could happen. And I would want it to happen because I would rather (laughs) that than somebody feel like I took advantage of them.
0: Right. Wouldn't you want that? Right. So this is one of those... Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, if... This is we already said this, but I want to reiterate it like at the end of a phone call. If there's no if there hadn't been an explicit guarantee made up front, they're going to feel re- and you don't say, was this worth the money? They're going to feel really awkward. They're probably mm-hmm. not going to want to bring it up. It's too personal. You're like on the phone with them.
1: Right. And, and then there's that feeling like I'm the only person that didn't get value. <laughs> like th- there are there are clients who would go that route and they'd feel bad about themselves. Mm. after that conversation which in some ways is worse
0: right yeah and wouldn't you rather know that the person was like not satisfied instead of them feeling bad them because they're not going to buy from you again and they might even you know uh, share the experience with other people behind the scenes they probably will because I've heard I've heard this about other people like that have been hired before me like oh I went through this thing or I just you know no money back, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it was. I don't want yeah. that. I would much rather have somebody. I'd re- I'd rather have the story be. And I did one of those calls with Stark. Didn't work out, so he gave me my money back. It was like I would. That story's great. I love that well, story.
1: It's like a non-event, and and I'm going to argue that the person who has that experience forgets it really fast. <laughs> Whereas the one who like spent that thousand dollars and that was like, you know, they only had 10,000 left to their name. Right. And they used that thousand, they used 10 percent of their net worth and it didn't go well. They're going to hang on to that story. Right. And it's going to get retold in a way that's not flattering.
0: Right. Yeah. I would much rather. And I've had I've had some email exchanges. After, uh, I mean, I've had people not ask for a refund. I think one time usually what happens is you get to the end of the call and I can tell yeah you know, it's I'm sure this has happened at least once where I've gotten to the end of a phone call and I'm like, this I feel like i've I've offered nothing. I feel like this was nothing. And I don't think I have ever had to give a I can't remember it, certainly if it happens, it's extremely rare
1: well, and that's that's so, an empowering it, thing though if if at the end of a call like that if if you as the provider feel that way, that's when you ask the question. Hmm. You know, I'm feeling like maybe we haven't really gotten to this. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, maybe they say, oh, you know, I I realize now that I really need to think about this. So even though we didn't address this, wow, thank you. Versus the person who goes, yeah, you're kind of right. This just didn't work for me.
0: Yeah, that happens (laughs) sometimes that like, no, 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 it was totally worth it to me. That has happened. There was one person who, who I, I read it wrong. Like I sometimes when the call is going so well, in my opinion, it might feel almost insulting for me to ask at the end, like, oh, so did this seem like it was worth the money? And and I might, I'm sure there are times when I haven't explicitly asked because it just, they were like, it seemed like a home run to me. One time I did that and the person emailed me after and was like, you know, you didn't ask me at the end, (laughs) if I thought it was worth it, I did think it was worth it. But I noticed that you didn't ask. And I was like, Oh, I, I usually do. But maybe I didn't. So it's totally Mm -hmm. fair. And, and since that time, I'm like, I always ask, you know, Mm -hmm. like, have I helped? Was this worth the money or whatever? Like, I will say Mm -hmm. it. And just because I said, I would say it, right? I said, I would ask. So even so it's, even though I think it was a home run, I still need to ask and be like, and give them the opening, give them the opportunity to invoke the guarantee if they want. hmm Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. So moving up the, I, we're kind of moving up the scope ladder. It's like th- the next thing is even bigger scope. E- each of these different things has been bigger and bigger scope where the, the full money back thing is probably not, not the right move. Oh, before, actually, before we move on from the call uh, instead of a money back guarantee, I haven't done this, but instead of a money back guarantee, you could, you could say like, you know, if you, if you felt like you didn't get something out of this, maybe it turns out you weren't ready. Like you weren't in the place where you thought you needed to be, uh, you know, you get a free, uh, like another, you get a free call in like three months. So book it right now, do another call in three months, do the stuff that you think you need to do. And you get one on the house next quarter, something like that. Yeah.
1: I think of that as like a make it right guarantee mm mm-hmm. right. it's not about the money it's about i'm gonna make sure that you get whatever this thing is this transformation it might be a very small transformation but that you get it
0: mm-hmm. yep it's possible it's it's a possible offer uh, okay so again moving back up uh for many years my all, basically all of my income came from ongoing monthly advisory retainers and those I think it's fair to say without exception, all follow a particular kind of arc where the buyer is in a situation where they are about to make a huge investment of time and money in something that they are really uncomfortable with. They know they don't, they know that there are unknown unknowns and they want to Mm de-risk it. So they look for someone who's an expert at the kind of thing. And when mobile was still ramping up and I had a popular book on the subject, I would get these advisory retainers with big companies who wanted to de-risk these bet the business kinds of projects where, you know, the kind of, they were spending the kind of money that would get them fired if it went sideways or that would Mm -hmm. get them in trouble if they were the, you know, if they were the owner get them in big trouble with investors or with the board. So they, they were perfectly willing to spend whatever, 10% to buy an insurance policy, which is the expert in the room, you know, is expert on speed dial for this usually months, but, you know, more often years long undertaking. And the arc of the of the thing would always be the beginning. There was tons of excitement and there was a lot of energy from both sides. A lot of really, really important upstream questions, like the kind of strategic level questions that you don't want to get wrong because they're gonna have downstream effects for a year or more. And, you know, all of those like a lot of the highest level people in the room. Everyone's highly engaged. And then you'd move into like execution mode. The highest level executives would kind of peel off and you're dealing with second tier, you know, their direct reports and that sort of thing. And it would it would get into this kind of rhythm for some period of time, the bulk of it, maybe 80%. And then there'd be a ramp up for some kind of a launch or some kind of a big milestone. And then it either worked or it didn't. And then there would be, usually worked. And then there would be like a tailing down where the mm-hmm. retainer is kind of mm, decreasing in value rapidly because right. the scary thing is over and, or, or at least it's stable. And this sort of S curve, they're at the top of the S curve And they love having you around you've created a relationship with them you give them a sense of security about stuff but the stuff that you give them a sense of security about is secure now so they don't really need you around and they start to look for things for you to do because they don't want to fire you they don't really know how to disengage but the point is these are long engagements and the value is probably highest at the beginning medium in the middle and low at the end So Mm -hmm. you're not at that point going to give a money back guarantee for 18 months of, you know, you know, $200,000 worth of retainer. So what do you do, right? You, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have control over the outcome. You have input into it, but you don't, you don't have control over it. So like, let's say at at the 12 month mark, the milestone comes and it's a disaster for some reason, not your fault, but it is a disaster for some reason, or it's not, even if it's not ideal, you're not going to. I wouldn't offer a refund for that. It's like, if you did your part, then you did your part. It's, you know, other things mm-hmm. can happen and do. So, I mean, it has happened in probably, I would guess 20 or 30% of my engagements where I've been on a project on retainer and like a key person gets fired and the whole thing just disappears. It just yep. completely, <laughs> the whole thing is canceled. Yep. It has happened many times to me. So I'm not gonna give a refund for that, right? So yeah, out
1: of your control,
0: right? So the one that I always would do was basically like a professionalism guarantee. And I'd say in the proposal, because I usually would do a proposal for something like this. I'd say if any point in the first thirty days you decide that I'm not meeting the standards described herein, just requ- request request a refund, and I'll send your money back, no questions asked. So in the first thirty days, if if the if it seems like you know we we would have had a number of meetings at that point, we probably have had sales inter- interview type calls leading up to that some back and forth but this would be actually working together in the first month actually working together if it's oil and water i don't want to keep working with them i want them to have an easy escape hatch and i'd rather give back that ten thousand dollars than be on the forced march to hell for the next year that it would turn into it's like but, guaranteed customer disaster. The other thing that's
1: that's interesting is that the way you described the the your project is the highest values at the beginning. So mm-hmm. the likelihood that it's going to go bad at the beginning is probably fairly low because you probably screen them out in the sales conversations. But if it suddenly hits you like, you know, the client's a maniac about scheduling meetings, um at at 3 a.m your time that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you've got an out and you both have an out it gives you an easier out too right yeah it's a lot easier to give somebody's money back when you say Mm -hmm. this isn't a fit
0: right and the way i've phrased it which i think originally came from an alan weiss proposal but the way i've phrased it here is under my control like Mm -hmm. if i'm not meeting the standards described here right it's it's like i'm gonna be professional i'm gonna you know be responsive return your
1: calls in this amount yeah. of time or yeah, exactly all those right things. and all
0: yeah. of that stuff's explicit it's like you know this is the turnaround yeah. time you know 24 hours but usually it's more like 90 minutes during business hours and so and and so if i didn't do that i would feel it's i would feel bad and i would want to give them some kind of remedy like it's just like like what is the yeah. thing that would embarrass you on the project make that your guarantee because then you can control those things that you you know you wouldn't do
1: yeah Yeah, I I just think there's this there's a mindset thing about all of this that We know that we want our clients to be satisfied and that we're going to do whatever we have to within reason to make that happen. So build it into the guarantee. And then the fear is that you're going to get this client from hell who's going to use and abuse you. But hey, you're a willing participant. You've got this opportunity right on the front end to define your working relationship and to shift it if it doesn't work for you. So mm-hmm. I, I just I love guarantees in these situations. It's empowering to have a guarantee, not scary.
0: Yeah I mean that reminds me of a story that's it's not it's it's related. It's not guarantees related, but it's related to that situation and where there wasn't a guarantee. So it became super awkward where I've had at least three people over the years, probably more, probably forgetting half of them who were on this project, that's going sideways. It's still toward the beginning of the project, but it's going sideways and they know it. It's doomed. They're the wrong mm-hmm. fit, whether it's client personality mismatch or um, the client is just ignoring their advice and doing the exact opposite. And they're like, I know this is going to be a nightmare and it's going to be a long nightmare. And I've, I've advised people, I've done this myself to give back five, ten thousand $10,000 of either down payment or or initial payments and just walk away from the project. And that's always yeah. a tough pill to swallow, to you know, write a client a check for five or 10 grand, but everybody, including me, has the exact same experience as soon as they do it, which is like, <laughs> oh my God, that was the right thing to do. The instantaneous yeah. lift of, of pressure yeah. off of your shoulders. It's the best money yeah. you'll ever spend.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it feels so weird, because it's like, well, they screwed this up. Why am I giving them money? Yeah, so you can get out of this and move on to an ideal client. Exactly. And it's, yeah, I agree. It's worth every penny. This is, you know, this is about being professional and that includes your getting to work with the people who you can really help and who want the help versus the ones who, you know, stymie you at every at every pass. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, we don't need to go down this path, but it's funny, too, because the clients are like, no, 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 we want you. And it's like, but you're ignoring everything I'm saying. I don't want to take your money. Yeah, if you're just going to ignore it. Yeah, it's funny.
1: Yeah, it's like a. it's almost a passive aggressive thing. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clients like that are really tough to help.
0: It's not you. It's me.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. OK, so like if we keep going up the scope ladder, the, the biggest scope thing in my career has always been these like 12 to 18 month long software builds when I was still doing, you know, a combination of, of upfront design and architecture, but then I would actually stay around and build the stuff. And those were always long projects. They were, you know, six figures was extremely common. So you're not going to refund that at the end. If something's, if at the end, for whatever reason, the client is not satisfied and and they've made it through that first month. They've made it through the first, the high value piece. And I, there have been no real red flags. Like we understand each other. We get along. It's a good fit. But for some reason, like they're a good client, but for some, something happens and they're unsatisfied at the end. And it's through no fault of anyone involved, but they're not happy than just my personality. And I think most people who are, are truly in the service business are going to want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't afford to give the money back. I mean, that would have broken my year if, if I had to give back 200 grand on on a project because some report didn't work right. So I would say I would offer a bug free guarantee. Yeah. So fix it. And right. Just like I will, some people will do like a 12 month bug free guarantee or a three month bug free guarantee. Like for some period of time after launch, if anything crops up, I will fix it for free. And the cool, there's a, there's. A couple of cool things about this, specifically on an implementation kind of project. Uh, One thing is that it will make you, you could use it as your top tier option. You know, it doesn't have to be the guarantee on every option of your, say, a three option proposal. It could be the top tier includes 12 month bug free guarantee. If anything happens, it's like a warranty in a car almost. If anything Mm -hmm. happens, then I'll fix it for free. And that actually it's like,
1: it's like the, it's like the refrigerator ones where you pay extra for the, the service guarantee or right. warranty. Yeah. Sure. Because sure. that's part of what's built into that higher price and the third option.
0: Right. So you could do it like you could just do it on the top tier. Um, the other thing it does is it answers the question that could be lurking in the buyer's mind. You know, if you give a fixed price and they might think, well, how do we know the person's not going to cut corners to finish this really quickly and just give us a load of steaming garbage that works, but it's going to, you know, just be a clunker. And if you've got a bug-free guarantee, that answers that question. So you're mm-hmm. you have a you'll be on the hook. So why would you do that? You wouldn't release a steaming pile of garbage, you know, cut corners and just you know tons of technical debt and all that. You wouldn't do it because then you're just gonna be on the hook to to maintain the thing for an extra year, like no thanks. Right. So it, it can answer if they have this lurking concern that you're gonna cut corners to fit the price. Then you say, well, why would I do that? I mean, I have a financial incentive to not do that because then I'll just I'll have to spend all this time fixing it later. Why not just do it right the first time? Um, so that's cool.
1: Well, there's there's another way to think about some of those things. I have to think about whether this would apply to a software project but it certainly applies to a lot of other kinds of consulting projects where you get a lot of pushback on your fees let's assume you're not doing uh, you, you haven't gone through the value pricing exercise and you're saying this thing costs let's say five hundred thousand dollars that's the price and the client's pushing back on you on the fees there is something um david Meister always called it performance billing but basically what you do is you might say okay, so we understand that you've got this issue with $500,000. So we're going to charge you, let's say, 400000 or four fifty, And we are going to, you're going to get full value for those fees. But at the end of this project, you are the one who gets to decide whether you're satisfied. And if you're satisfied, you're not just going to pay us $500,000, but you have the ability to pay us, say, 600000 hundred thousand on the low end, a hundred thousand on the high end. So you build in this performance piece based on only on their satisfaction at that point. I mean, there are only certain kinds of projects that you can do that with, and they tend to be more where there is a very defined outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another way to do it. And I, I, what I don't like about it is I really don't like discounting fees. That usually means right. they're not a good client, but it depends. There are some scenarios, and I've had clients in these scenarios where a little bit of fee flexibility, you know, it's not a discount, mm-hmm. right? But you have that conversation, and then you also have some upside potential over what you would have charged. So right. that's so, another option.
0: Yeah. I, the, uh, it's interesting. The, the thing I don't like about it is the pressure put on the client to, I don't like the range piece. So, them being oh, you should like get up.
1: upside. That's that's my view. So you should have upside. If you're going to take the downside, you should also have the upside.
0: Well, so here's what I would do I would say it's almost, in a sense, it's almost like payment terms.
1: Mm-hmm. If you yeah. take
0: the range away, which is something that I would recommend people negotiate, if the client really wants you to compromise on something and they don't want to pay 100% upfront, then it's like, okay, well, let's split it 50 50. When do you want to make the second payment? And I'm not normally a fan of this but if you if if this is a very high profit deal or a marquee client or something you say well all right it's 500 grand that's the price i'm so sure that you're going to be satisfied at the end of this that you can pay me 400 now and then after you can pay me another 100 if you're satisfied which you will be i that i i just just my personality Mm -hmm. i would i don't want the variability it's like i want it to be all or nothing they're either satisfied or not satisfied And then I just can't concentrate on making them satisfied. But of course, that's just my personality.
1: Well, it's interesting because I, I, Maester's retired now, but I suspect the reason he structured it that way is because of the way he did his underlying guarantee. Mm -hmm. And his underlying guarantee was, you know, if you're not satisfied, pay the portion that satisfies you right? So that's assuming that you're billing in the middle or the end versus 100% at the beginning. And Maester's audience was mostly large consulting firms, so they weren't getting paid up front. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this goes into the, mecha- you know, you have to address the mechanics of how you're actually charging people.
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And timing is another way to deal with it.
0: Yeah. It gets, it gets complicated. I mean, you can do whatever you want, frankly. I mean,
1: mm-hmm. if, you're, if your
0: profit margin is so high which I would imagine for someone like him it was, right? He's mm-hmm. not he's not buying lumber. <laughs> right? So his right. profit margins were through the roof for sure. So it would be more about just like his he wouldn't want to underprice himself because that would be damaging brand-wise. And so yeah, I mean if your profits are through the roof and it's really no skin off your nose whether it's 400 or 600
1: Yeah, it was, was, think about, in his case, he was the ultimate authority, right? He worked with Mm -hmm. the world's leading professional service firms. And at one time, this is a long time ago, his his claim to fame was that he he charged, was it $20,000 a day, which was a lot of money in maybe the 90s, something like that. I forget what it was, but he had this thing. And so, of course, if you're dealing with the CEOs and the managing partners of these big firms, your reputation is everything. Yeah. You'd rather get 0 and I doubt he ever got 0, but you'd mm-hmm. rather get 0 than yeah. have somebody walking around talking about how you weren't what what everybody thought you were.
0: Yeah, past his prime or whatever. It's yeah. like yeah, you don't yeah. want that. Right. The yeah. story you want, the story you want is well, you know, it came and it didn't really work out for us, but he gave us our money back, you know. So yeah. it's, it's like there's no no harm no foul. I mean, they might be if it took a long time, they might be like, "Well, he wasted our time." We didn't really want the money back. We want. Oh, that's the other thing, actually, on guarantees. A lot of times, especially for these longer projects, the client doesn't want their money back. They want the thing work. They like, want
1: performance. <laughs> they want
0: the thing done. They want it the yeah. way they want it. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it's it, it's an interesting point we haven't mentioned, which is that money is not always the remedy. I mean, we've implied it, but money is not always the remedy that they want. So, it it could be. I mean, the example of a bug free guarantee after a twelve month software build they're not going to want their money back at that point. It's very rare. They they're going to want they're going to want the thing to work. They're going to want the whatever the outcome was, they increased productivity for their internal staff if it's like a workflow solution or their big customers have some online portal that now they can they can self-service their own invoices because the competitors are doing that and the clients love it. They want that, and giving them their money back is not going to solve it. So so if you, you know, back at the beginning, we said, you know, what are their fears at the, at the time of purchase? What are their fears? And then address the ones that you can control and come up with an appropriate remedy if things don't go the way you wanted, or things get out of your control, so to speak.
1: Well, and there's, there will be some people listening here who do these big change projects like the M&A work that I used to do. And that's exactly the same in the sense that they don't want their money back. But the other part is the fear going in, especially for whoever's in charge of human resources, like how all the people come together in this merger, their fear is that it's going to go sideways. And they're going to not only get fired, but they're going to mess this up. They'll never mm. get hired. I mean, this is what goes through their head: I'm, I'm going to mess this up. I'm worried about it. I will never be hired again. No one will ever see me again. I'm going to have to go work at Target, like you know, or, or be a Walmart greeter. That's what would go through their head. So, so part of the guarantee was around giving them the confidence that not that they're not going to make mistakes because they will they're moving fast in something that's totally new but they will confidently make the next moves and they're not going to blow it up because we're going to help you through that that's mm-hmm. what so uh, sometimes these are really subtle but they get to the fear the very real fear of your client
0: yeah exactly cuz just to tie it all up with a bow we are it's a risk mitigation. You're you're taking on some of the risk so that 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 the one hundred percent vulnerability that they would normally experience with your competitors, let's say, where they won't guarantee a price, they won't guarantee an outcome, they all the guarantee is I will keep working until you tell me to stop. Yes. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. as is all sales final. So though those people are odd since they're taking no risk are automatically not going to be able to command high fees because they refuse to take any risk. So in a sense, you could think of it as like an arbitrage situation where your client is about to do something that they think is very risky, but you're an expert at it. So it's not risky to you. Like, you know, your software architecture is going to hold up under load. Like, you know, you know it, they don't. Mm -hmm. So there's this, there's this asymmetry in the risk because for you, it's low risk for them. It's high risk. So you air quotes, take it on. You, you take on the risk for the piece that they're not an expert at and you can charge a premium for that. And then it's mm-hmm. – but it's not – you're taking away – let's say you're taking away 100 risk units from them, but you're only taking on two. Yeah. It's like – it's kind Arbitrage. of hard to describe what I'm seeing in yeah. my head, but yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I get it because it's, it's how different people value things different ways. And when we know how to get things done, like somebody comes to me and says, okay – Uh, This is what I want to do with my business. You know, can you help me? I'm worried I'm going to be the person who you can't help. Right. So how can we, how can we, right? That's what people say. I'm I'm going to be the exception. I'm going to be the one. I've heard that. And. Yeah. And, and the way that, that we all work hopefully is that we weed the people we can't help out in those sales conversations. Right. So by the time we're, you know, we're talking to this person, we know that they're, they are someone who can be helped. And so you have the conversation around that and then you, you help to change. I don't want to say change their perception. I guess de-risk is a good way to think of it. You're de-risking it Um, And that's where just the acknowledgement that that your potential client is feeling that way is really important. Just acknowledge Mm -hmm. it to yourself, if not to them, and that will make it more smooth because you'll see the ways that you can make it more comfortable for them at at no cost to you.
0: Right, no cost to you.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. I think we've been around the track on this one. (laughs) (laughs) You think? Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning, I've you know, I have a half a dozen articles on different kinds of guarantees. So if you have lingering questions that we didn't get to, for example, what's a bug? That's a really common question. What if they break something and they think it's a bug with your bug-free guarantee? So you can find all of that stuff by just Googling for guarantees plus my name. And it is on the website. I guarantee (laughs) (laughs) you will find it there. Touche. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Michelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.